Borak Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad, and this is the 137th episode of Space Spinner 2000, the podcast where we try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're taking a break from our weekly progs to cover the 2000 AD annual for 1986. As always, the annuals are dated for the year after the one they came out in, and this is the 9th 2080 annual. We're seeing these annuals feature writing and art by mainline creative teams, with filler material becoming a classic 2080 thrills instead of weird legacy comics, which includes this year, which has an abridged reprint of Shacko, one of my favorite 2080 stories. Yeah. Yeah. The 2080 annual is a little cheaper than the Judge Dredd annual at a £2.95, 20 pence up from last year. But I'd say the most important thing about this annual is that I'm looking at it with friend of the show, Zane Kipmiller. Hey, Zane, how you doing? Hey, good to be here. It's great to be here in these suites. Um, <laughs> I see Fox is out. His nameplate's flipped over. It's just me here now. Yeah, fancy uh, 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 scenic 2080 studios. Mm-hmm. Hey, Zane. Lots so- of robots. Oh, of course. Oh, wait. Shut up. No, don't talk about the robots. Um, Zane, <laughs> you've got, and I, I, I believe you're our first um, non-English guest. So I wonder if, yes. you, if you could tell us about your um, history uh, with 2000 AD. Uh, I think my entire history, almost, maybe 90% of my 2080 history stems from just listening to this podcast. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I heard about it as a little blip on the Fantastic Cast where Stephen Lacey mentioned it. And I was like, oh, what's 2000 AD? And I thought he was referring to like the, what's the, the Marvel 2000 oh, future uh, comics or something? Mar- like a 2099? Like a yeah, Spider-Man those ones. 2099 and stuff. Yes. Yeah. See, that's what I thought it was at first. I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I started listening to it, and I'm like, this doesn't sound like 2099. Uh, and then we, and then uh, you mentioned that Judge Dredd was coming up in it. I was like, all right, I'll give this a listen. And then I was, uh, I was pretty much hooked after that for a while. Um, oh, nice. Uh, I think my other 2000 AD uh, experiences, I read the Judge Child saga, mm-hmm. um, which you recommended. And then I also found a copy of Skiz at a comic book uh, store, and I picked that up and I read through that. So that's pretty much my entire 2000 AD legacy. (laughs) Yeah, I remember we uh, we we talked on the uh, on on the Facebook page for the podcast, and it's very like sort of like yeah 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 check these out. (laughs) Yeah yeah, I pretty much bought them all when you said that. Yeah, I I, I'm partially through the Batman Judge Dredd one. Oh, nice! Too. Yeah, that, that that's a fun one. I'm really looking forward to covering that on on the show for sure. In the, what two years or so? Couple. We're getting we're, <laughs> we're getting close. You know. Oh okay. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Two two real life years. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Like yeah. the '90s. <laughs> yeah. Listen, but uh, I mean, you know, our uh, our progress is ever forward, and that's all I can ask for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So awesome, though. So you're a new fan of 2000 AD, which I think is is unusual and also very awesome. So I'm yeah, glad yeah. Um, I'm glad you've come aboard. So I guess even if you aren't reading, or, or sorry, as we're going through things, what have been some of your favorite like uh, thrills or storylines that we've covered in the course of 2000 in a, of a 2000 AD? Uh, I definitely have to say that the giant animal attack uh, ones are always my favorite to listen to just because mostly because fox is just like oh my god you can't believe all this stuff that's ha- uh, <laughs> giant ants are killing everybody or just your description on how and what happened in shako 
the first time and I listened to your compilation episode again so I could hear the whole thing <laughs> at once. And just you guys just just talking about how Shacko's just like, yeah, he's just eating all these people like crazy as uh, good times and then and then reading this annual and it being in here, I was like, oh man, I get to read Shacko. So it was cool. Yeah, it's really um I gotta say, like as someone who grew up reading a thousand uh superhero comics and stuff, <laughs> just having a comic that's about a, a giant animal like eating everything that comes in contact with is mm-hmm. is a breath of fresh air in, in as much as like a giant murder animal can be a breath of fresh air, I guess. <laughs> There's just not a lot of uh, mindless violence comics out there anymore. It's true. It, yeah. It feels good to just kind of be like Ah, oh, this is kind of relaxing, which in, in reality it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. But you know, it's something that we I've been go um I've been we've 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 recently started a show about the uh the old action comic which predated 2000 AD. Mhm. And also mm-hmm. has like one of its main storylines, this story Hookjaw, that's about a killer shark. And is, I've been um, I've been really excited to hear that one every time. <laughs> it's so great of just like man, I you know the first issue of of a of a Hookjaw, someone tries to hide from Hookjaw in Hookjaw's mouth, and that is God, mwah, like Chef's kiss <laughs> is so good. <laughs> so. Since you're recent, how would you suggest um, new fans like get into 2008? Is there some like what was a good and entree to you? I guess besides Space Spinner 2000. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say Space Spinner 2000. Oh, it's no, definitely thanks. a great start. It, um, um, really, it's it's a kind of a difficult choice because there's mm-hmm. so much to dive into mm-hmm. all at once, and um, and I mean like I like Skiz, but I wouldn't say it's a good starting point if you're you know, because it's such a short story mm-hmm. and it doesn't exactly encapsulate all of what 2000 AD has to offer. Yeah. Um, and I do think, though, that reading this annual makes me want to go, all right, I want to read Rogue Trooper or I want to read Ace Trucking, um, you know, find out what more about these characters. I think I think like even just this annual would be a really good jumping point. Nice. Yeah. I really love, like, especially maybe like the annuals starting in the eighties, like, like 81 onwards. These mm-hmm. annuals are really great. They start having like the old school 2000 AD stories in them as opposed to weird legacy comics. <laughs> yeah. And they have like mainline stories and stuff and are really great. And, you know, they're all like hard, they're, they're these hardcover books that look really good on a shelf as well. I find I got like a shelf of annuals now. That's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. my uh, pride and joy of 2008 collecting. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So let's, let's start jumping into this annual. Um, just to give, I guess, everybody a sense of where we are, just to kind of uh, be clear. Uh, we just, when this um, episode starts, we just finished Prague 438. So we're in Nemesis Book Five. It's where we've just started the final chapter of Robo Hunter and mm-hmm. just started the uh, Future Sport Kill Fest uh, Mean Arena, which I'm sort of semi excited for. <laughs> it's got a yeah. They 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 put a human brain in the body of a puma. It's it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Only 2000 AD. <laughs> it, I, I, I gotta say it. Um, yeah. So the cover of this one's a group shot of 2080 heroes, including Dread, Rogue, Johnny Alpha, Ace Garp, and GBH, all drawn by Massimo Bellardinelli. And the inside cover has Cam Kennedy drawn Dread arresting a giant murder beast for jaywalking. You know, as, as that you That was do. awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Great. Open. So, so Dread. <laughs> of course. Like, we've had so many, yes. Yeah, so, 
like a fair amount of actual actual annual stories where it's, it's just something weird and supernatural happens to Dredd and he's just kind of like fine with it. You know, a lot of I, I think he's been stolen away by demons at least twice. And both <laughs> times he's in the middle of arresting someone like as he's being carried away. He's like, hey, like, stay where you are. I'm coming back to arrest you. Yeah. <laughs> He's just completely unfazed by everything. I That's mean, you great. Know, yeah, he's seen it all, you know, <laughs> 30 years in the street. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but speaking of our of our cover guys with uh, Ace and GBH, let's get started with Thrill One Ace Trucking Company. Oh, that felt good. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's different when it's real, right? I don't know. Um, <laughs> it is. Almost got this like, oh. <laughs> uh, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Grant Grover. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli. Lettering robot Steve Potter. So the Speedo Ghost is boiling down the main line, sort of uh, Ace Garp singing his uh, his song um, as they're shipping air to the smog system. Um, and Ace is having to fly manually because the computer's out, when suddenly it looks like an armed duck-billed alien stowaway tries to take over the ship. He he hijacks the do- the ghost and demands that the uh, tub be taken to, cu- to, cu- to Cuba, uh, Q-U-U-B-A. Oh. I was curious how that was spoke said. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's Cuba. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> so. at the at the time, I guess, like in the 80s, there were hijackers that would say that, like, take this plane to Cuba and stuff. So it sort of makes sense in in in, in the context of 85, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily, this hijacker isn't very smart and is quickly like, "Hey, look over there!" and then gets punched in the head by GBH and gets yeah. taken out immediately. The, the hijacker starts to cry after this because mm-hmm. he's tried to hijack hundreds of ships and been foiled every time. And Ace, of course, being Ace, takes pity on him and like gives him a second chance to try to hijack the ship. But this time, the hijacker gets jumpy and forces the crew to offboard a distress buoy. And everybody's super pissed. Like, GBH goes full, like Homer Simpson, like like choking Ace. Yeah. <laughs> As they sort of reflect on their, their lot in life when suddenly the, the Speedo Ghost returns. And the hijacker's like, hey, guys, which way is Cuba? I'm like, that way. And then another punch in the head. <laughs> The the hijackers smash and the truckers regain their ship, leaving the duck guy behind on the distress bu- buoy, mark, uh, marking it to beware, lugjacker. He'll be trapped there forever now. You'd hope so. Just like, I love this uh, full color ace trucking and it's so fun. Just like, you know, that the problems are more like of, of Ace's creation, basically. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. But do you want to try jacking us again? Oh, well, I mean, all right. Yeah, absolutely. That was good. The col- <laughs> I did love the color in this. Uh, when he fires the ray gun, the mm-hmm. the background's all red, like over the, the duck guy. Um and that looks really cool. Yeah, like just the, the 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 spacescapes as they're in in the buoy and stuff is really nice too. They're amazing. Um, so what is so I don't know anything about GBH. So what is with his hair, change, like move in and stuff? I wish there was more. I like at, at this point GBH feels like this great un, undis, untold story. Like <laughs> his his name is GBH, which stands for something. He's got dead written on his on his uh, jumpsuit, which and he apparently is dead, but also back to life. Ace found him. They say in one issue, like on a platform, like mid funeral on some planet and he like kind of waked him up and they sort of teamed up and stuff Mm -hmm. he's giant he's super strong he's got big hair that just kind of flows around in many different directions 
And so far, that's kind of it. Like, there's not really a lot he's of just a, he's just this big imposing guy. Yeah, and it's really cool. Yeah, he and he doesn't really need to be more than that. But it's really like it's definitely one of those things where at any given time, like Ace Trucking could just have a flashback to like how um how Ace and GBH started teaming up. You know, it's sort mm-hmm. of like uh like Wolf and Johnny Alpha are kind of like that too, where um like somehow this mutant guy made friends with like a Viking or something <laughs> who loves mm-hmm. cucumbers. Yeah. It's, it's never really ex- like, or no with, with Johnny Alpha, we'll actually start getting it explained uh, later in 1985. I don't know if I forget if they ever actually do it with GBH. I didn't, I didn't read a ton of rogue, of rogue trooper my first time or of uh, ace trucking my first time through. So it's very like every, every new ace trucking thing is a surprise to me, which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems it's really cartoonish i like it definitely yeah just the giant you know giant heads hands or giant gbh fish smashing down on the on the duck guy's head good stuff and mm-hmm. speaking of classic 2080 action it's <laughs> thrill two shaco part one uh, script robot pat mills and john wagner art robot Roman Sola, Juan Arancio, Dodario, and Lopez Vera, Letting Robots, Jack Potter, Tony Jacob, Peter Knight, and John Aldrich. Oh, man, it's Shacko. Yeah, this was great. I loved this. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, absolutely. It's my one of my favorite 2080 thrills. This is an, an abridged version, and I think between our original episode, the collection episode, and the Mecha City Book Club. This is my fourth time talking about uh, Jack on a podcast, <laughs> which I I still love it. Um, yeah. It's not enough times to talk about Shacko. Definitely not. I'm just ready to get get bear talk going. Uh, Shacko is apparently the Eskimo word for polar bear. It means killer. Or it's what they call one of those like marching band hats that's got like <laughs> a fur thing on it, you know? Definitely one of those two. Yeah, that's that's literally like I don't think Shacko is an actual Eskimo word, I don't think. But um anyhow, man Any Eskimos out there should tell us. <laughs> love to hear it. Would love to you know, more the merrier. Um but yeah, so there's a plane, it's carrying a capsule over the Arctic Circle and it crashes. A mighty polar bear known as Shacko eats the capsule and then proceeds to eat the rest of the crew of the down plane as well. Just getting in on that fate on that face eating. Um <laughs> All of this is heard by local CIA commander uh, Jake Foulmouth Falmouth, who calls half Eskimo ecologist Buck Dollar to help hunt the beast. Uh, we see then Shacko hunting a seal as a kill team from from Ice Station Delta heads out to to take to a uh, kill Shacko, but Shacko instead runs out on the th- on the thin ice where the team's snow vehicle falls through and they all drown to death in the icy water. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so later falmouth and dollar climb aboard an ice ship at the station to hunt the bear and the ship's drunken captain lassos it lassos shacko with uh, the ship's crane but it wasn't set up right and so the ship capsizes and shacko manages to escape with the ship's captain and uh drinks his booze and then drunkenly eats him as you keep yeah. doing just again more eating <laughs> I love uh, the I love the comment. It's like Shaco wanted to have fun with Jimbo, but he couldn't look after two of them. One of them had to go because he sees double from the booze. Yeah. <laughs> it's just there's completely ironic deaths throughout this whole thing a lot of times. And I feel like Shaco is Shaco is the entertainment you get when you watch disaster movies where <laughs> The only the only reason it's entertaining is because everybody just continuously does things wrong. 
yeah, they keep making bad decisions. They keep like going after this bear when it's like, hey, like you should like just not deal with this bear, you know? Um, yeah. I love the uh, like the really interesting thing here. I think is is definitely Shaco's internal monologue, which makes it different than a lot of disaster and monster movies because you get a because you're kind of in we're inside Shaco's head as well. Mm-hmm. Although this abridged version has much less of Shaco calling humans like impudent and like yeah. disrespectful and stuff. He seems more like a bear, yeah, uh, than before. <laughs> Or like him, so, he he stands a lot too, just like in in this uh, yeah comic where yeah. he's just like a normal person almost. <laughs> we see a montage of Shaco eating a couple hunters. There's a five hundred dollar bounty on his head, uh, and then Falmouth explains to Dollar that the the capsule in Shaco contains a deadly virus weapon. But that doesn't really matter. Uh, Dollar Buck Dollar leads another nah. hunt on Shaco. It's like you know it it doesn't come up. It's just a MacGuffin basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, we see Dollar leading a hunt for Shaco, and and he uh, remains cunning, diving under the water and coming up from through the ice beneath Buck Dollar's jeep. And then this leads to a stare down between man and beast, with Dollar then hitting Shaco with a trank gun, and makes probably the biggest mistake of this whole thing, where he's he's managed to trank Shaco, and then it's like, oh no, you gotta um like surgically remove the capsule from Shaco's body instead of just killing him. Right, even though he's eaten a bunch of people, yeah, it's totally fine. Like they, they, the, you know, like I mean, a, a a a dog is destroyed if it like bites somebody, you know. Yeah. Like Shaco's eaten at least five dudes and directly led to the death of several more. <laughs> like he's That's got so, a body count. Yeah, I mean, even if they cut him open, they still have to dig through all those people parts in his stomach. Yeah, uh, it might be a hard find. That's true, actually. That's a that's an extra layer of horror for the doctors. Jeez. Um, <laughs> Especially because when they go to do the surgery, Shaco immediately wakes back up from the anesthetic and just starts eating all the doctors in the hospital. He he bites off Falmouth's arm. My killing arm. I'm half a man. Oh, that's my favorite. Um, <laughs> that was good. And I, you would think they would have him under under. I thought they would have him under anesthesia the whole time. I was like, why wouldn't they? Like it just yeah. makes sense, and they're just not doing it. No, <laughs> it's the, just we'll just get in there while the trank's still going. It'll be fine, yeah. I guess. Yeah, time me. I can do this. <laughs> Listen, speed surgery is under under evaluated as as a national sport. But uh, <laughs> Shaco uh, <laughs> Falmouth now with his arm missing. Uh, Shaco it, um, escapes into the frozen night to be continued. Oh, we ever find out what happened? I mean, yeah, you know, page forty seven, I guess. Oh, right, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but first. Let's get some more justice in our life with Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. Ah, uh, yeah, Judge yeah. Dredd. Script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant as Grover. Art robot Ian Gibson, lettering robot Tom Frame. Uh, we see Judge Dredd following a mysterious suspect quietly, like calling in an illegal dice game to be arrested as he goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Suspect meets a crewman of the Brazilian vessel Dolores Del Peck, and there's a deal going down. Dredd lets the deal continue to get both parties for smuggling, and the judges swoop in. 
trucks scatter as the judges take the, them and the dock workers down. And there's some really great action just as there's chaos in the streets as these like uh, trucks try to like blast away from from judge custody and things. It's really awesome. Uh, after the combat, the judges clear up the perps and check the cargo. Three kinds of beans. An illegal coffee smuggling racket. Oh, no. <laughs> and that was... That was the best. It's real. You know, they do these every once in a while where you're kind of reminded that, like, basically everything's illegal in Mega City 1. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we, we've we seen stories like this before with uh, with sugar. And they've been like, oh, like, they're bringing in that white powder. But instead oh, of, like, okay. uh, cocaine, it's like, oh, no, like, just more sugar, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I love how they, like, they, they burn the beans and everybody has to wear their respirators to avoid um, illicit caffeine and um intake like, yeah. yeah it's That's real just, good that was great I, I i was i was really confused what was going on in the beginning i was uh not confused um uh i was really oh goodness <laughs> it's hard to tell i agree words are failing me it sort of opens with like dread sort of seeing this dice game and kind of whispering in the call and stuff and it makes it hard to figure out exactly like like what he's doing there that night you know mm-hmm. especially because so often dread's uh law enforcement style is not really like subtle you know <laughs> like he, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't really do a ton of sneaking so it's it, it's a uh, weird when he uh when he is when he does have to be sneaky uh, for justice <laughs> for justice always Listen, you gotta you you gotta know how to do it. And speaking of knowledge, oh yeah, and Judge Dread costumes. <laughs> let's go to Thrill Four Road Trooper Quiz Special Arms Buyer Guide and Diary of a Mad Citizen. So, just some filler stuff here. Uh, first, mm-hmm. there's a quiz for your Rogue Trooper knowledge. That's I got, got one right. Oh no, I got like <laughs> 18. I think I got like I was in the top <laughs> echelon. I'm feeling pretty well, you've good. You've been studying it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. In like to to take away from me, like I feel like I'm again one of those people with the four, uh, like the foremost knowledge of the first like 400 episodes um, issues of uh, of 2000 AD, just sort of through osmosis. You kind of pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I was hoping for, but when I took the quiz, and I was like, I don't know any it's, of this stuff. <laughs> it's hard to remember the specific for sure um i do like in this one just that there's a decent amount of like stuff from horse so it's sort of the new uh rogue trooper storyline the new planet and stuff but it is mostly mm-hmm. rogue trooper stuff or a uh, new earth stuff then mm-hmm. there's a return of the arms buyers guide from last year's uh dread annual this time from some guy who's made a pretty cool looking uh judge dread costume and mm-hmm. just sort of pictures of him with action shots. Though I got to take points away from this guy's costume because he doesn't have a Judge Dredd helmet. He's just got a motorcycle helmet that says that Judge Dredd gonna, on it. I was going to comment on that too. Yeah, <laughs> listen, like you got to do better, buddy. <laughs> Plus it's Come just on. say, yeah, especially just because I, I, I follow uh, Steve Green who's been on this show previously who did like uh, the Judge Minchie fan film and stuff and he's just go... He's a he's got like a three like a three D modeler that just uh, where he makes a ton of canonical Judge Dread helmets and That's helmets awesome. of other j- judges in like the Dread universe like Sovsit helmets and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I have to check it out. Yeah, it's real cool. Um, and it's just such a 
like he was like when uh you know a couple weeks ago when 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 Carlos Escara died he did like some tribute helmets for him like of like the uh, initial Judge Dread designs and stuff um and it's a gr- it, it's really cool and just to see all you know to know that 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 there's all that and this dude just kind of has some Judge Dread decals on a regular motorcycle helmet oh it's a real really takes something away from it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, you can apparently get your judge dread your uh, judge outfit for five thousand credits and a lawgiver for four thousand. Good times. And Good times. <laughs> this takes us to Diary of a Mad Citizen, which is our uh, text piece for this annual. Which I really liked it. It's an interesting story. Um, it's it, it's written by Alan Grant with art by Eric Bradbury, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's a uh, it's basically a a, a Mega City One citizen who talks about like how he's abused by Jews and everything's real bad until uh, his knee pad starts talking to him and it advises him to fight back against the Jews. But that just leads to him getting beaten up and his knee pad stolen. Oh no. I like how, I like how they did a really good job of leading it into like him finally hitting the wall. And then suddenly the knee pad starts to speak to him and, (laughs) He's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll do what my knee pad tells me to. <laughs> it, yeah, it just makes perfect sense to him. It's awesome. <laughs> so, like he just, like the knee pad, like, why have you talked before? Like, oh, listen, most knee pads can talk. They just don't want to. Like, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to. Yeah. And then the uh, the final uh, art by Eric uh, in the end with him standing in the window with, uh, yeah, I'm he's, assuming there's Judge Dredd behind him. Yeah, he's he's despondent about his lost knee pads so he goes to uh, to try to like commit suicide. But instead he just judge, looks like he's like, taking it like he's like, oh, suicide, I'm so cool. And, like the, the way his hands are in his pockets <laughs> and his off stance. Like he's not, he's like no care in the world. Nonchalant <laughs> like, about it, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, I kind of took it as when um, the part where they were trying to, they were lying to him about taking him down, like having his knee pad talk to a megaphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. Like, don't do it. Like, oh, my knee pad still still believes in me. All right. But then it's like it's just some judge trying to talk him down and stuff. He goes mm-hmm. to the psychiatric cube, cubes where his treatments are redacted by the Justice Department. And apparently he's <laughs> he's cured of talking knee pads. Although very much it's like the way he describes his, his current opinions on knee pads is just more that he's decided to not make a big deal about talking knee pads instead of believing that knee pads can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> his knee pad will call him one day he's some Just, you know, someday i'll we'll be reunited yeah <laughs> <laughs> but this was a fun text story i agree it's um we've had so many ones that were just like boring stinkers that this one that's just kind of funny and again has just a lot of like life in mega city one stuff was a lot was was pretty good yeah it mentioned the juves are 11 year olds is that him just mocking them or is that like actual a thing i feel you know like i, I guess like a juve can be anybody under the age of 18 so it can vary but you know i guess like a bunch of punk kids like throwing garbage at you and stuff would still be pretty bad no matter how old they were like a bunch of five-year-olds yeah. doing it would still be pretty annoying i guess i mean the picture below though that's shows, true like, they're, they're, these they're people look so old <laughs> they're definitely like 18 in the picture but who knows how that goes with like what eric bradbury was was told to draw and now that's like really he looks through. younger than the second guy on from the right <laughs> <laughs> 
Like the guy looks like he's like premature balding on the sides there. Like that could just be the style in Mega City One that week. You know, it's yeah, a weird uh, place. <laughs> Mega City One t- takes a lot out of you. Takes it's, a lot out of an eleven-year-old. Absolutely. You know, you don't know what they. What have you seen? He lived through the apocalypse war. You know. <laughs> That's true. That's and speaking true. of speaking of folks who have it tough, it's Thrill Five Shaco Part Two. Or I guess also speaking of people who have been menaced by the Soviets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we we return with Shaco. He's uh, shoveling lemmings into his mouth as they jump off the cliff. Which it's just great art. <laughs> it's really, he's just like cramming a thousand lemmings into his mouth. Lemmings don't actually do this, but, you know, polar bears don't actually destroy whaling ships. So I guess it's, it's fair play. Um, yeah. <laughs> Falmouth, his uh, his crony Dobby and Buck Dollar, they're chasing Shacko in a dog sled, and when they find him, they unleash the dogs to harry the bear. Um, attacked on all front, Shacko is forced to sit down to defend himself, and he's almost caught when suddenly shots ring out. It's the Russians! <laughs> Uh, these dirty reds capture Shacko and take him to a nearby whaling ship where he's put in a cage below decks. But a drunken Russian strongman ta- taunts Shacko, releases him from his cage for fist fighting, which t- t- don't try to fist fight a bear, dude. Uh, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> Everybody just makes bad mistakes. Absolutely. This is like. I like how he has to undo his shirt first, too. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, you gotta, like, you know. You gotta show off when it's when it's bear fighting time. Yeah, to intimidate that bear. <laughs> Absolutely. The freed Shacko, meanwhile, just immediately eats this guy and just starts under sieging <laughs> his way through the ship, which is of course dieharding on a boat. He uh, <laughs> he eats whale blubber to refuel, knocks guys into rendering tanks, just killing them as horribly as possible. Mm-hmm. The Russians start fighting back. Shacko's skull is grazed by a bullet as Falmouth and a CIA and uh, the, the CIA fly a chopper in to steal Shacko off the deck of the boat, which I believe has just caused World War Three. But good times. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The uh, Shacko uh, or the the Russians shoot down the chopper and it plummets into the sea, taking Shacko with it. Luckily, oh, he's- hold on. Oh, go ahead. I see. There's so when I was looking at this. They have Shacko tied up by his legs and the hind legs, but then below the chopper, his front paws are tied up underneath the helicopter. Mm. I mean, a, so many of these are like it's like one jump to another. It's it, it's it's like there's a prog in between, so it's hard. To, and like they're switching artists a lot too, so the continuity oh, okay. definitely gets messed up. I think. I noticed that a lot of the inking was a little different in part two yeah. versus part one. It definitely varies as it goes by. And I mean, like, for instance, and also because there's sort of um, new issues in between different parts of the story, there was also like like a splash pages and stuff in between them. So like there's a really great picture of Shacko sort of after the helicopter crashes of Shacko like underwater bound in chains when he frees himself. But Mm -hmm. most of that is on the splash page of the new issue. So it doesn't actually make it into this abridged version. Oh, okay. Which is kind of like why things are fast when, you know, he, you know, the, uh, the, the chopper shot down, Shacko plummets into the sea, but he's soon able to free himself and is like, Eating, you know, just again, it's sort of a video game style, just eating food to to uh, regain his health. This time mm-hmm. by eating some seal <laughs> trappers and uh, again um, other seals to kind of recover from his injuries. 
I like how they were just conveniently over there. Like they weren't watching the helicopter crash or anything. They just we got to beat these seals, guys. We have no time to watch helicopters fall. They're all business, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and the business is yeah, like uh, seal clubbing. So this is a real, real low calorie kill for Shacko to 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 eat these guys. Um, and as he's like got a seal halfway into his mouth, it's clear that the humans will soon catch up with him. Shacko must die. To be concluded. Ah, <laughs> uh, Shaco. Uh, him, him biting the gun and just killing the guy with the, with the gun on the, on the side. Like, the gun just shot him in the side of the head when he's chewing on the gun. Like, that was yeah. Occupational hilarious. hazard, you know? And just, um... This stuff on the boat is so great of just, like... He's just, he's just wandering around, like, accidentally dumping people into rendering vats, fighting mm-hmm. Russian strongmen. Excellent stuff. Like, I'm glad... Like, this was really the best part to keep... From the other stuff that that's kind of been cut out of the uh, cut out from original Shaco, like they cut out like when he um, assaults this ice station and he gets saved by that by a traitor to humanity, Unk, the 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 human kid, and all this other stuff. Like that's all mm-hmm. out, but I'm glad they kept this part with the uh, with the Russian uh, whaling vessel in. That's really great. Yeah, it's almost like little snippets that come through Shaco to get put into Shaco that you would go through. Absolutely. Um, hey, and and speaking of snipping things around and make and uh, shortening things up, uh, and thank you for the alley oop there. That's awesome. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thrill six. Countdown to the apocalypse war and daily dreads. Script about John Wagner and Alan Grant. Art about Ron Smith. Letting about Tom Frame. So man, we have first we have this opening page. That's about the Apocalypse War mega epic and basically serves as an intro to the most famous of the Daily Star dread strips. Uh, this is the one that everybody talks about when they talk about these strips and with good reason. <laughs> these ones all ran from about um, September to October uh, 83, I believe. And we start with the entire Apocalypse War, which in the progs took six months in one comic strip. Whoa. <laughs> now it's 13, 13 squares or 12 squares. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> like bam, 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 bam. Um, I really I love... I got the gist. Yeah, you, you, you get it. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> Come, <laughs> no, it's really just like, we're just telling everything and like each panel is like a whole section of the strip or of the uh, storyline and stuff. It's really great. It gets a, a lot of the story, including like the hijacking of a Sovsit uh, missile silo to destroy East Meg 1. Though it leaves out some stuff, of course, it'd have to. Um, I'd say the big stuff would be um, the uh, use of Soviet uh, dimension shields, which um, sent all of the... Um, Mega City One retaliation missiles to a alternate dimension that had never known war or conflict and just completely destroyed the Earth. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then also the time when uh, Chief Judge Griffin was was captured and brainwashed by the Sobs and Dread had to execute him on live television. Like that was another big part that kind of got lost in the shuffle here. Um, uh, minor things. You know. I mean, I mean, you know, it's <laughs> it's fine either way. Like you know, <laughs> you can certainly tell the story without it. And this uh, this apocalypse war like uh, story then leads to a series of post apocalypse war uh, daily dread strips, or I should say. When I say daily, it sounds like they come out every day, but I believe they come out once a week in the Daily Star, which is why they're called that. 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, man, then five just post-apocalyptic war strip. Uh, there's one where there's massive food shortages and we see a black marketer trying to sell a can of food for 500 creds. Uh, Coon spoons. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dredd <laughs> tries to arrest him, but this causes a food riot and the black marketer is killed. And they're all going to jail for it, which everybody's happy with because in the ISO cubes, they'll have to be fed. <laughs> They can't starve them. That's illegal. Yeah. Um, next up, oh, yeah. I, I skipped one because there's one where Dredd happens upon a bunch of survivors in a storm drain. And Dredd yes. explains kind of the, the situation post-apocalypse war. Like, yeah, everything's destroyed. Uh, report to this shelter for uh, your, like, your ration tickets and your work gang assignments and stuff. And they just decide to go back into the shelter and just stay in there where <laughs> things are, are, uh, are normal. I like that. That was uh, when I read that, I was like, oh, this was great. I like how he just like gives them all these this list of all these horrible things that are going on right now. But there will be shelter eventually. Oh, let's just go back down. Yeah, fine, I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, next one's kind of a grim one as Dread pursues a perp into a restricted zone and ends up having to mercy kill him as he mutates in the radioactive wasteland, which is like ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. A like grim a, for a Sunday comic. I mean, the one in the in the Judge Dredd annual and like has a has a has a a punchline that involves a huge pile of corpses. Like the it's tough <laughs> stuff in here sometimes. Uh, it's and, just all serious business. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it sort of continues on as we see an unexploded warhead is found in a reclaimed city block, and the block's evacuated. And Judge Coolahan tries to remove the warhead to, to defuse it, but nah, it explodes. <laughs> him and destroyed the entire sector like oh okay i guess like, oh well i guess it was cool hands dead yeah i guess he wasn't that he wasn't cool enough um ooh, ooh, yeah cool. if his name wasn't cool it'd been a sick burn <laughs> uh, then finally a post-war a bunch of refugees are trying to re-enter the city but Dredd basically says, like, hey, if you left during the war, then you can't uh, come back to the city. Like, if you won't stay with me at my apocalypse war, then you can't have me at my uh, post-apocalypse war rebuilding. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, you know, but they're still trying to sneak in. They're, like, getting in through the, ho- the, the cracks in the Great Wall around the city. So Dredd makes an offer. Um, he, the basically the Justice Department will give them food so they can survive in the wasteland if they rebuild the wall. Facing starvation otherwise, the refugees agree to rebuild the very wall that will keep them out. Whoa. <laughs> I like that though. It was fun. I mean, it's very um there were a whole bunch of these ones right after the apocalypse war, like the shanty town story and other things like or like when there was that robot wrestler that like took over um some of the abandoned sections of Mega City One and stuff. These like having to deal with with the aftermath and ex- like especially I, I like these ones because it explains how things could get rebuilt real fast like they just use different incitements and like some like limited slave labor to kind of like just just get mm-hmm. things back up and running is like oh well, there's millions of them they yeah. can probably get it done in a couple days right so it feels like like i don't know if real is the right word but it feels like it explains how some of this stuff happened you know <laughs> yeah little snippets in between so yeah they answer questions you wouldn't have had wouldn't have known the answer to otherwise yeah and i you know just sort of keep it like okay yeah like that's good enough that'll that'll cover all of my uh nerd objections when i try to explain things (laughs) (laughs) it's like the marvel thing uh when uh people explain stuff off panel what is it called the oh like uh retconning i guess no um... not the retconning when um when 
like a reader writes in an answer to something. Oh, uh, uh, no prize. Uh, no prize. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of get no prizes themselves, basically. Yeah. Um, oh, man. All right. So I guess speaking of stories with intros from previous uh, 2000 AD comics. <laughs> <laughs> Thrill 7, the muties from Milton Keynes, and Strontium Dog. Uh, script about Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant. Art about Carlos Escara. Letting about Gordon Robson. Um, and first up, we get the, uh, like sort of like the start of the Daily Dreads, where there's just a, a one-page basic intro to the world of Strontium Dog, including how the city of Milton Keynes, which I, which I, I believe is a real city in England... Um, is also the home of the largest mutant ghetto in Europe, um, where just all the all the post all the post uh, uh, nuclear war mutants are just sort of all put in one place because everybody hates them. Uh, this one also has a recap of the events of Prague 189, a thousand years ago, when uh, Johnny and Wolf helped a bunch of gamblers from Milton Keynes that had been cheated out of the town's safe, uh, savings, basically. And they're saying that all this was 10 years ago. But I don't know if I buy that. So here we go. <laughs> it's the, yeah. They changed the name of everything so quickly. Otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I could say it's been 10 years since the mutant wars, but I don't think it's been 10 years since Prague 189, I guess. But I don't know. Um, but That's at the a do- long time. Yeah. yeah. It really it, it adds up. It, just in terms of our of my mental 2080 timeline that has all these stuff, <laughs> all this stuff happening at once and it's very like – Okay, I don't know if that's possible, but I guess here we are, you know? <laughs> yeah. But so at, at the doghouse, uh, Johnny, Johnny Alpha takes a pretty small job at Milton Keynes to pick up a mutant called Beast Bolsover for murder. Johnny mostly wants the job just to sort of go back to the old homeland, and it's rough that the mutants are all, are stuck in this ghetto. At least the high school is named after Johnny, and there's a Sternhammer Street nearby. Nice. <laughs> probably because they end up giving giving their uh, gambling winnings to these mutants, so it actually probably get, put up a lot of money into the community. Mm-hmm. At the mutant association, Johnny is greeted warmly by one of the characters, fr- by one of the, the one surviving character from that story, I should say, and gets the info on Beast. Though the association guy says that Beast wouldn't hurt a fly, um, and the planet that he's wanted on hates mutants, and this whole thing is basically just an invitation to a lynching, essentially. Uh, Johnny approaches and the commu- or goes after Beast and the community rallies to protect him and like to the point that that, that he's he's forced to use like a smoke bullet to disperse everybody and escape. Johnny catches up to Beast and Beast tells him his tale. He basically says that while he was on this planet, he was getting beaten up and robbed by a bunch of nor uh, by a pair of norms and when they fought over how to split up his money, they like came to blows and one of them died, but he's just been framed for that murder basically. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard stuff, but Johnny believes him but still shoots him. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> but it turns out it was just a stun shot, and Johnny will edit the images on his helmet recorders, which will essentially let him fake Beast's death so that he people won't come, come looking for him anymore. Um, <laughs> he's safe and can continue to live a decent life in the rundown ghetto of Milton Keynes, which is bittersweet, but still better than, like, bounty hunters coming after you constantly. Um this is kind of an interesting story. It's, I, I love seeing Strontium uh, Str- Dog in color. That's really awesome. Um, but this one's real bittersweet because it's all about like how tough it is to be a mutant and stuff in the, in, in the story, which is, which is harsh sometimes, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It's got a very classic story kind of vibe to it, too, with you know the, the framing and all that. And 
Yeah, I mean, so many of, especially Strontium Dog really is, I mean, Strontium Dog is really a Western in space. And so this yeah. feels very Western to me of the, um, of, yeah, the bounty hunter who finds a guy who says, it, you know, who's innocent and then faking his death to kind of like, yeah, to free him of it and stuff. Now that you say Western in space, I, I definitely get that feeling now going over it again yeah i mean it's it's such a big thing and i mean it's it's less so here just because they're like in this like developed city of milton Keynes and stuff i mean there's literally strontium dogs where they're like riding like i mean not not horses but like space you know space bird horses and they're like running into towns with corrupt sheriffs and stuff like that like it's very much in that in that vein you know Ah, oh, it's exciting stuff. I, I love Strong Team Dog, and even if it's a low-key one like this, it's still really fun. But speaking of mm. things that are not low-key, it's... <laughs> Thrill 8, Shacko Part 3. Oh, man. Uh, Shacko's making his way south for winter, fighting walruses as he goes. Because they don't have the splash pages for the new, like, like stories of Shacko, we, they cut out the part early in the story where he, he fights a, a walrus and knocks its, its, uh, its tusk off. So mm-hmm. this is sort of a callback to that. He fights a one tusk walrus that's out for revenge, but you don't get a sense of it because that, the earlier part's cut off, which is sort of a bummer. Um, but people do see Shacko fighting this walrus and Falmouth goes out to, t- to make one last attempt to take down the bear. They try to trap trap Shacko by having Falmouth's sidekick Dobby hide in the walrus carcass to, to try to ch- <laughs> uh, trick Shacko. I mean, it's 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 a brilliant idea when you think about it because, like, oh, we want to sneak up on the bear, but there's nowhere to hide and it's yeah. you know, icy out. That's the like, best a, way to do it. <laughs> sort of a, a a violent Empire Strikes Back kind of situation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Darth Vader was heading for the the. <laughs> Oh man, so I'm gonna get yelled at. Mostly, it's mostly it's just like you know. I thought they smelled bad on the outside, you know. But um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's also real cold in there, I guess, because when Shaco does show up and Dobby tries to shoot him, his gun has frozen solid and he can't fire. So instead, you know, eaten by Shaco, you know, as you do, I guess. <laughs> Shaco's just doing what Shaco do. I mean, it's you know, it's, he, he eats people. It's definitely what he's shown himself to do. <laughs> <laughs> There's more sort of bear trapping. Eventually, Falmouth and another CIA guy are trapped by Shacko inside a cave as Shacko's sort of like, ah, oh, like I'm just going to wait and eat these guys when I'm hungry again later. Doesn't go well for those guys. Falmouth tries to kill Shacko by stabbing him with a giant icicle, but it's no good and he's killed in turn. Oh, no. And yeah. this leads then to the final showdown as Buck Dollar dons native Eskimo garb and goes after Shacko with a harpoon to sort of, you know, fight a mano a mano. And when that doesn't work, he pulls out a bazooka and finishes the beast off with that. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it had to be a bazooka. Because just... we couldn't shoot him with guns because we'd hit him in the stomach and it'd ruin the capsule. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Like, bazooka then. That, that, that never does anything like that. <laughs> it just scorches the outside a little. <laughs> um... Shago then collapses and falls on top of, of a dollar, like crushing him to death. So the two of them die at the same time. Shaco died well. It's very romantic in the end. Very, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're linked by a uh, dude murder, I guess, or something. Yeah. Love, uh, love of the Arctic. You know, I mean, Shaco loves the Arctic when he's not eating large portions of it. Right. <laughs> 
Uh, when he pulls out the uh, when he pulls out the rocket launcher, that's always the that's always the best part. That's just like fine, like <laughs> harpoon. Okay, uh, rocket Eskimo. launcher. <laughs> yeah, the re- you know Eskimos have rocket launchers just lying around too. I mean, why not? You know, I mean, I, I guess in the story it was because it was right at like, like a CIA resupply point or something like that. Oh, okay. Like they they do explain it. Um, I just like that. Native rocket launcher, no, Eskimo you know, it's not, you know. not like an, an artisanal handmade bazooka or anything like that. But that um, would have been cool, though. Oh man, listen. But I mean, I just love that that it, it goes from zero to like two hundred miles an hour. You know, where it's like a spear. <laughs> okay, that didn't work. Bazooka, yeah, that did. Like fine, you know. <laughs> none of this, none of, this, none of these middle grounds. You know. <laughs> we had to get there somehow <laughs> i mean at some point it's like yeah like at some point it's like okay we got to finish this comic sometime okay like pull out the bazooka uh, we got two pages left let's do this fall solve so many of life's problems oh. <laughs> oh man and speaking of uh deadly threats it's thrill nine judge death versus the mekon um, so it's we got it's basically early 2000 AD versus 1985 2000 AD or possibly 2000 AD versus Eagle with some fact files comparing Judge Death and Dan Dare villain the Mekon. Whoa! Mm. Uh, they get like sort of some brief uh, summaries and then they get ratings for stats like intellect, strength, ruthlessness, and invincibility plus a final five skull danger re- re- rating. Uh, Death gets five skulls Mekon gets four and a half and I love how Mekon has a strength of one because he can't get out of his chair that's pretty solid (laughs) he's just slightly less dangerous than Judge Death it's true yeah it's all it's all (laughs) mental stuff and then also laser beams from his hover chair you know yeah well do I think like Death's intellect is like eight I think which honestly seems high for Judge Death because he sort of falls for things period it wasn't it wasn't what I was expecting when I was reading it. No, he's got very high stats. Like it's, I, he's got all like eights and tens, basically. Like like ten he's, invincibility. That's pretty solid. It's <laughs> high rolls. Yeah. All high rolls. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mekon's just a total min min maxer. You know, he kind of knows how this game system works and is willing to make take his chances. You know. <laughs> <laughs> all exactly. Right. No point buy system for him. No, I mean, you know, well, I mean. <laughs> they got different rule systems, you know. It's a, uh, it's it's 1977 rules versus 85 rules. Even then, like RPG technology advanced quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, <laughs> oh man. So speaking of AS, uh, threats from beyond the stars, or um, you know, something else, or a uh, highly rated 2008 characters. It's Thrill Ten Rogue Trooper. Script about Simon Geller as Sim One. Art about Cam Kennedy. Lettering about Gordon Robson. Oh man, Rogue Trooper in the fields of New Earth. Soldiers tell tale tells tell stories of Rogue Trooper, including this time, one time at Nortville, the uh, which is a mobile R and R center for the evil Norts. Rogue Trooper has been captured, apparently, and he's now just a circus exhibit. A Nort with a gas mask top hat narrates him fighting a Nort Trooper who beats the crap out of him and makes him like beg for mercy and stuff. How is this possible? Oh, it turns out that this rogue is actually a robot fake. Um, for propaganda purposes, as we see the real rogue has infiltrated the base and is pretty pissed off about the whole situation, honestly. Not pleased. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> Especially because like the the robot rogue like begs for mercy, which is real embarrassing. Um, the next day, though, as the act goes on, it seems that the real rogue but um, reveals himself. And then he proceeds to wipe out the whole base. He, like, breaks through the glass where the uh, fight's taking place, and he chokes out the top hat guy, and then just runs around blowing things up, steals a hover bike, and starts shooting everybody down and stuff. But the Norts manage to hit the vehicle and shoot it down, and it explodes, taking Rogue with it. Or does it? Because it turns out that this was the Nort robot all the time. It's just that the chips reprogrammed it to fight back. And while it was a waste to be destroyed, at least it'll give Rogue some peace for a while, and it's what the Norts deserve for being jerks. <laughs> <laughs> and the story ends with Rogue himself showing up at this trench where they've been telling the story, and then, you know, kind of sits down with the Souther troops and like, yeah, I got a lot of stories to tell. Um, and yeah, fun Rogue Trooper action. Like, you know, I, I actually got, got confused by this a little bit because I assumed that it was going to be like Rogue had been captured and was sort of being used as, as amusement and stuff. And so when, like, it took me a minute to figure out that it, that the, the robot was Rogue instead of the guy beating up Rogue, actually. Yeah. It was, um, it was interesting. You know, does Rogue just not have pupils normally? Yeah. So it was a robot because it was red. It had the eyes that were red. Ooh, I don't know. It could be. I got to, like, look back at that now. Because <laughs> looking at the last panel, yeah. it's not Rogue. It's the robot coming to the troops. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he does have pupils here. That's interesting. Because you're right. Yeah, he he usually doesn't have pupils. Usually he's just got eyes like a Storm in X-Men or something. Um, yeah. Just the empty ones. And so that's an interesting tale, actually. Like, that's a good pick. I, I skipped right by that because I just kind of get my Rogue Trooper groove. Oh, man. That's <laughs> too much action. Too much throw power. It's interesting. Like... It's sort of interesting, or I like seeing Rogue in color because he so rarely is despite being blue, which is sort mm -hmm. of a weird choice. Like, I kept getting distracted by the fact that, um, his, uh, his hair should be red also, or his, his hair should be red, and, but he's got a blue mohawk instead, which is sort of distracting oh. as well. Okay. See, I didn't know that was a uh, thing either. Oh. It's hard to tell, be again, because you really have to kind of catch Rogue Trooper being in color to know what his correct colors are, because generally you don't see them. You know. Mm -hmm. Oh man, man. So speaking of exciting stories, we've just finished the 2080 annual for 1986. Oh my gosh! That's good. Right. Yeah, Zane. Awesome. Hey, so important, serious question, which is what were your top and bottom thrills? Um, my top thrill was definitely Shaco. Nice. I loved it. It was good, even though it was abridged, and I didn't feel like I missed anything. Um, mm -hmm. I think the one thing I was looking for, though, that I remember you guys mentioned in your compilation was Shaco goes to school with some kid at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Unk, the traitor to humanity. That's a big uh, loss. Yes. Just, I, because, just because we, we're, so, we're so angry at that kid. That, I you know, mean, Unk. Him not, him not being here was a real bummer, for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, so what was, your, what, what, what was your bottom thrill in this here? Um, so I definitely can't say that the that the story was a bottom thrill because i actually liked the story about the sentient knee pad um <laughs> and uh and i think probably the only reason i'm gonna pick this as my bottom thrill is because it didn't really give me a good grasp on who the characters were and that's ace trucking company hmm. um i feel like just doing the little slapstick stuff kind of back and forth 
um, just kind of made it seem like, yeah, we just kind of did an Ace comic real quick, or, or we did yeah. a story with Ace and Gang real quick, and kind of just put it in the put it in the annual and said, here you go, and didn't really showcase a lot of what makes Ace Trucking Company really good. Maybe I, aside yeah. from the one line, giving the giving the duck guy a second chance was <laughs> kind of was very entertaining. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But, yeah, I think that's a good point. Actually, that we were very like it's not like they're doing a crazy scheme or something like that. It's just very much them sort of traveling someplace and then kind of having just sort of sitcom hijinks with this with this hijacker. I guess yeah, that's that, that's interesting. That's a good take. I think I like that. Okay, cool. Uh, I mean, if, if if you need me to co-sign them, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not, no, like, no. I don't mean to be the arbiter of what of what a top and bottom thrill is for sure. <laughs> um i i do have a question though what is is so is the scarf around ace's neck is that just is that part of him or is that an actual like just a like a I, is it I, like I, dr strange's cloak i think <laughs> i think it's kind of yeah i believe that it's animate beside that uh besides ace yeah so it's 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 like strange's cloak in in, in the movies and stuff where it kind of does its own thing um, cause as I recall with a one time they went to Ace's home world and all the people there didn't have those kinds of scarfs. I think it's just an affectation he has to have a, an animate scarf that does extra hand motions while he's like doing hand motions basically. Right, right. Um, so, uh, so what are your top and bottom thrills, Conrad? Oh man. Um, this is a pretty fun annual. I gotta say. I think for my top, eh, I'm I, I think I'm gonna put Judge Dredd in my top. I like the uh, I, I like the coffee mm-hmm. story. There's some good action good. in it, and then just like the punchline of it being illegal caffeine was pretty good as well. Um, certainly something a, an addiction I've wrestled with myself in the twentieth twenty first century. Um, so I thought, I thought that was pretty good. Um, in the bottom, I'm I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take Perpetual Whipping Boy of uh, Rogue Trooper, mostly just because mm. I got kind of confused by this story, I guess, which might be my own fault, but I don't know. It didn't like there was so much like there were so many fake outs in it. Like it was a double fake out of like yes. first first it was the robot and then it was still the robot that I was kinda like, okay. Like <laughs> I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I was gonna mention that earlier. And I had to reread it. Yeah. where rogue was in it and i was like oh okay that's rogue now that's the robot and then and then yes and then, the robot again yeah now, did, now rogue put the robot inside of a car and then sent the car out the window and then yeah it's a yeah i just didn't uh, it was a little bit more confu- like it was confusing and that sort of took away from it a little bit so that's sort of yeah so that one's down the bottom for me and but i think <laughs> like yeah otherwise pretty decent stuff yeah the, the 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 text story was solid which is actually it was in the dread annual this year too so we're actually getting some increased quality with these text stories which is uh disturbing i don't know i don't know if i like it <laughs> <laughs> don't like it too much you request it and then there'll be more yeah i mean i'm not i'm not doing this comic book podcast to read words man that's not cool (laughs) (laughs) anyhow i hope everybody enjoyed the show as always you can find space spinner 2000 on itunes stitcher the google play store or our podcast site at space spinner 2000.com feel free to contact us at space spinner 2000 at gmail.com on 2080 forums or our facebook instagram or twitter pages on twitter at space spinner 2k for everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000. We should be there. And Zane, where can we find you on the internet? Or if there's anything you'd like to plug, if you'd like to be found. <laughs> um, I probably don't really need to be found via the internet. Um, 
but uh, I was told to give a shout out to my wife, who I love, and that's what I was told to say. All right, it's also true. Yeah, sh- <laughs> so, yeah. I I hope you're also willing to do it for non-requirement reasons. But shout out to I, Zane's wife. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. She wants to listen to the show later, so I had to oh. give her something. Awesome, fantastic, and <laughs> yeah. So we. we so you guys can check that out and then everybody else can come back next time as Sam Slade heads to Sin City to fight an army of hoagies. Judge Dredd deals with uh, fatties and mega men. It's brain surgery time in Mean Team and Satanus returns for revenge in Nemesis. Oh, it's Warlock on T-Rex action. Mm. It's going to be good. Okay, I want to I want to read some Nemesis. I have to get into that. I'll, I'll do, yeah, I can direct you to some. It's real, there's some good uh, collections out there and stuff. Oh, All right. So fun. And until then, I'm Conrad, there's Zane, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid, Splendid Bird Bird Bird. Bird. Bird.